Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to the All by the Popcorn podcast. I'm Alessandra. And I'm Emily. And today we're going to talk about Black Panther with special guest Anne. Hi. So, yeah, we love this movie and Emily's fresh from seeing it just uh, an hour ago. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Yeah. I watched it for a second time um, just this morning and it was it was great the second time. I I had a lot of like change of thoughts and stuff. It was really great. And it was the first time going to the movies by myself. So I pretty pumped i'm pretty pumped (laughs) well that's good i think i had a really good time seeing it the first time because i was having a really blah day and then we went and saw it um on a really rainy day and it was really epic and it was really epic it it definitely boosted my endorphins for for the day (laughs) definitely (laughs) um it was raining when i went this morning too well it's it's not raining today but it was like snowing sideways yesterday which was insane um Yeah, but I heard it's been really cold in L.A., huh? Yeah, cold and uh, a little rainy Mm. lately. Yeah. From yesterday, it's been rainy. Well, it's perfect time to go see Black Panther like the rest of the world. Um, It's definitely the number one film right now um, and almost the number one Marvel film in terms of, like, how much money it's making. And it's coming along. I think it's, like, behind Avengers and... The second hasn't Avengers? Aven- or... Has it passed Avengers yet? Not yet, no. That that movie oh, made like a lot of money <laughs> the first Avengers, so. Oh, dang. Um, yeah, well, hopefully, so... Hopefully I go see it for a third time. I'm trying to get my sisters to go see it, and I do want to see it for a third time, so hopefully we can, we can get it past Avengers, because I think it definitely deserves it. Well, I got the movie pass, so I can go see it whenever I want for free. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> I've, been, I've been trying to figure out if it'd be best for me to get the movie pass or not. I'm oh, still... I I would say. I mean, then you'll go to see the movies, and we can go see limited release films, um, and then we could just be like Wakanda forever all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, initial thoughts. Any? Do you want to start, Anne? Or, um, yeah, I think my initial thoughts were definitely. I felt like I was watching a Shakespeare play or something. It was so epic and so political, um in so many ways and there was just this whole world uh and there was so much royalty too that it was it was really pumped circumstance you know it was really cool yeah that was pretty exciting it really felt so shakespearean and definitely like especially at the end with just the kind of taking the throne aspect Mm -hmm. was like so well and even the plot twist of yeah the the father and the uncle and the son of the uncle you know so yeah that that type of family dynamic is definitely Shakespearean as far as betrayal and trust and what that means to you. Yeah, definitely. Um, first definitely impressions for go, you, Emily? Yeah. Yeah. I just want to state uh, before we go too far, uh, spoilers for anyone listening who has, oh, that's who true. has not seen it. Um, <laughs> but let's see. So my initial thoughts, um, I, I find myself just going in with absolutely no expectations anymore. And I think that's that's been really good to do but I guess knowing myself I probably thought it was going to be more like a Marvel film you know kind of like with that um with that overactiony like climax fight scene at the end which this movie yeah. didn't have and I really enjoyed that like the the fight scene at the end was very like methodical and very like and I loved how it jumped between the two um like the overall like war battle and then just the one-on-one for the throne so I, I really enjoyed that that it wasn't like this big uproar of like explosions and you know we're nodding of... over here <laughs> yeah. yeah oh yes the the yeah the podcast agreeing um not nodding um let's yes. see <laughs> um so that's probably the biggest thing that I kind of expected it to have um 
maybe to be a bit more cheesy than it was. The first time I watched it, I thought it was a little cheesy, but watching it the second time, it didn't seem as cheesy to me. Um, and what else? Pro I probably expected a bit more humor, but I'm glad they they dialed down on that. I know that Martin had his really good, um, you know, one-liners and, like, funny comedic inputs, like he always does, so he's, like, a master at that. Um, yeah. So I liked how it came from, like, a select few characters, not all of them, because, you know, you don't... Like, mm -hmm. not every character needs to be... needs to be funny, and I thought that was a weird... I don't want to go too far. I have a lot of thoughts, so let's just... Those are my initial thoughts. I thought it was going to be more of a Marvel film, but yeah. it really wasn't, and it was awesome. Well, we've seen from people who don't even go to Marvel Marvel films, like, often, or don't even like them. Like, our roommate, she doesn't even really like them, and she loved this movie so much. And, you know, it, it, it just speaks to just so many different kinds of people, and especially the African-American community and people who feel, like, disparate from Africa. Like, I was listening to a podcast about... Um, but even before I'd seen the film, and it makes more sense now that I've seen the film, but it was like some, a man who actually was like his family was from Africa more recently, like his, his father was from Africa. Mm -hmm. And that is something that like is a hard, like we never even really thought about it, but a lot of people from Africa feel like maybe even above African American people who don't know where their roots come from or where they're like, family comes from uh, mm -hmm. essentially because they were slaves so like it just was all mingled up hundred you know over a hundred years ago and then we just have nothing after that and so that whole idea of like feeling so like you're not even placed in a country or in a in a uh in a continent just like mm -hmm. it really was interesting so well yeah there's definitely a long history of you know uh trying to find african roots again after mm -hmm. you know slavery there's not people don't know where their families were from and and so but there are families here who do know where they're from, from yeah, and what yeah. tribes they're from and so being able to represent I think all of those identities in a movie so well and having it be so well-rounded and, and so diverse of a cast you know everyone's from a different place is yeah. really phenomenal mm -hmm. yeah and I I was listening I was I don't know who what actress it was uh, I think Amanda Stilbar Stilbar she said that she got really far in the auditioning process and she decided to back out because she is a more light-skinned African-American and she was like, you know what, I'm going to not be a part of this film because I think it should be uh, representing more dark-skinned African-American people um, because, you know, those are the people who are least likely to be in films, you know, and people who are respected. So it was a cool thing to hear her say wow, that. That's I really guess. fascinating. Yeah, and she's like a young person. She's like 20 or something. Wow. Yeah, I heard about amazing. that. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, well, I have a, a thread on like African tribes and cultures from this twi this Twitter person named Waris uh, at DS. What is this? Diasporic Blues, um, and then he's just kind of going over, or she's going over the actual like different tribes represented in this film because in Wakanda they have like five separate. Uh, tribes within the actual Wakanda, which is really interesting, um, and they all have like separated by colors and and uh, uh, what is it, like motifs and distinctions. Mm -hmm. um, so one of them was the Mercy and Surma lip plates, like uh, the man in the green suit with the big lip plate. Mm -hmm. um, it says lip plates or discs are a form of ceremonial body modification. While many cultures use them, they're best known by the Surma and Mercy tribes in Ethiopia. So interesting. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. And then we also have the Zulu headdress, uh, like the queen wears. Queen mm -hmm. Ramonda mm -hmm. wears a distinct headdress that's reminiscent of the reed Zulu flared hats or ishkolos. The Zulu headdresses are traditionally worn by married women for ceremonial celebrations. So that's cool. That's cool. I loved, I loved her headdresses that she wore. Oh, yeah, she was just gorgeous, like, amazing. Um, oh, yeah. And then there's just other things about the costuming, if you want to take on that, because I know the costuming is, like, really awesome. The costuming is amazing. Let's see. Where, who? I'm on the IMDb page trying to pull, pull open everything. Well, they were just so futuristic and fantastic, and mm -hmm. um, the uh, costume designer... 
was like, her name is, um, what's her name? She's at the end of this. Oh, um, Ruthie Ruth, Carter. Ruth Carter, yeah. Amazing. Um, and Hannah Bleachler, Beachler, the production designer. Just like incredible women, like, the costumes like deserve Oscars when it comes around again. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, I really want this to stay in the buzz until next year's Oscars because this this movie definitely deserves like a ton of stuff. Um, yeah, I mean, not just there's production design and visual effects were fantastic. Like, I loved all all of the like sand in in the film as far as like the visual like the actual like. Um, earth like it just seemed so so much more grounded it, even though it was having all these like exceptionally like you know futuristic sci-fi kind of aspects it was like so much grounded by like all of those really solid you know <laughs> you know items and things and like all the stuff that Sherry gives him just seems so real and yeah like, you really hold them and it's stuff a lot of really specific design mm-hmm. um, and pulled from so many different places and it's really made unique. It definitely has its own unvoiced and aesthetic for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, watching watching the movie a second time, I I definitely noticed the sand a lot more, and I kind of I don't know. It made me think kind of like more of the sand as like a symbol of something. I haven't quite figured out what it is, but like they use it in so many different ways. It's like they have they have the sand for the spiritual and ritualistic aspects, and then they have it for the technical and the futuristic aspects and I thought that was really interesting how it kind of it's like such a small little element but like it became it became something different when it would like turn into the moving cars or when it would turn into an air pilot seat that that agent Ross could then like fly a plane with so yeah I thought it was that really was in- incredible like and, and Shuri as the character was the one who like basically implemented all of these things and it's incredible because she's like a teenager you know mm-hmm. like uh she's like a scientific prodigy you know like just completely inventing like T'Challa's suit that absorbed the power that could like explode again that's genius like mm-hmm. did that come from the the comics or that come from like just the ideas like that the the entire production team like thought of like that's just incredible i know i'm curious i'm curious to know how much from the comics they they took because it was it was a very well-rounded story and there's like tons of like little itty bitty things about about characters like even characters in the in the movie that i kind of even want to know more about Mm mm-hmm yeah, and I think we'll we they will explore that more. Um, definitely, they'll they'll be making more Black Panther films. I mean, not just because of the success, but just uh, apparently there's just so many Black Panther stories to be told because he's been around for like fifty years or something. So it, that's incredible. Like, mm-hmm. there's all these characters and all these people that you know join, and then of course he's going to be in in the next Avengers film, which is like also really exciting because he was one of the best parts of Civil War, definitely. Um, he was my favorite part of Civil War. Yeah. The best line in the whole movie. <laughs> what was that one? Uh, they have let themselves be consumed by revenge and I will no longer uh, act in revenge or something like that yeah, along those yeah. lines. And uh, then he is actually the one who stops the bad guy when Iron Man and Captain America are just beating just each other bickering. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's such a level-headed character and... Like so wise, so wise, and you know it comes from his father, and we see that even in the film. And but I did like the aspect that his father made a mistake, mm-hmm. and he kind of like is upset with him for that, but he doesn't necessarily, um, you know, he, he doesn't dislike him anymore. It's just you know he accepts that his father had flaws, and, and that um, th- that flaw really came back to bite them, like yeah. to everyone. I think it's such an important part. I think especially. You know, even for us as young young people, then looking at our parents as we're taking on more responsibilities to realize that our hu- our parents are human and they're flawed, um, and having to accept that I think as a young person can sometimes be really difficult, and you see his struggle with it, and it, it's such a human story that I think everyone experiences at some point in their life when they look at their parents, and they go, "Why'd you do that?" Yeah, and you know, it may not be as big as in this story, but it, it's such a human experience. Yeah. It's, it's also really... just difficult for T'Challa because with him becoming king, he kind of needs to 
he has to figure out what kind of king he wants to be, which is why I kind of want to pull up the, uh, bring up the whole who are you question that gets thrown around a lot throughout the movie. And watching it a second time, I was definitely listening more to how they were using it, how they were posing the question. Who are you? Are you Wakandan? Are you royalty? Are you of, are you of royal blood? Do you belong here? Um, and what, like, what kind of king do you want to be? Like, who are you? And it was also just difficult. It was difficult to watch T'Challa, like, kind of get mad at his, like, the, the two times he went into the ancestral plane. The first time it was, he was, like, you know, missing his dad. Yeah, and, he wasn't ready for him to be gone. And, you know, like, admiring him for, for, like, what he did as king and kind of, like, wanting to follow in his footsteps. But then the world is changing so much around him that he has to figure out if he does want to kind of follow the traditional path of leading or if he if he needs to make the change to make Wakanda better. Um, and so I thought, I thought that was really cool how they, how the whole, who are you like became such a important question to each character. Yeah. And yeah, it is like a, a, again, the very Shakespearean question of like, yeah, what kind of person do I want to be? And then the fact that they're living now in, you know, 2017, that's like the idea of it. Um, and the choice to, not stay secluded, but actually help those around the world. Like, they don't need to feel like they're above everyone else and that they can actually, you know, be on the same level as everyone else. Because it did seem like the previous generations were like, well, we're better than the rest of the world. We're not going to share what we have with the rest of the world. Yeah, and all, I mean, it's dangerous, risk? but yeah, yeah, there's tons of risks and everything, but that's why when you side with you know you're watching Michael B Jordan's character who is so incredibly like he just you saw, you like see where he's coming from so well he's such a well-rounded like bad guy i mean but is he a bad like it's just kind of he didn't go at it in the right way i think but definitely like you get where he's coming from and he felt like he was ostracized and that he doesn't have a home you know that that really respects him and loves him and I think the question that his character faces, too, is, again, that same question of who are you? And mm -hmm. I think that's how a lot of people in our country feel, you know? Yeah. Um, especially, you know, if you don't know what tribe you're from or where you come from. And, you know, these are questions that were, you know, people went through in the 80s as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and there was a lot of plays like Raising in the Sun that, like, mm -hmm. talked about that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so then, you know, seeing that through this character's eyes and him trying to find his roots, but then, you know, having such a mission of what he wants to accomplish you know, you see that in, in juxtaposition to T'Challa, who kind of doesn't know what his decision he's going to make yet. Yeah. Which is really interesting. And he even takes a lot of what Killmonger tells him to do and actually, like, implements that as the king in the end, like, and starts that center in Oakland for the kids. Mm -hmm. And, like, you know, he was like, yeah, I'm going to, like, try to right the wrongs that my father made and the ones that maybe going at it in a more militant way was not the way to do it. and But those ideas were still so important. Yeah, and the they ideas. changed the course of what T'Challa and all of, uh, you know, all of them decided to do at the end. Yeah, and without, really cool. yeah, without Killmonger, like, he might have not ever decided to do that. And it's really sad that, like, Michael B. Jordan's like, he had, mm -hmm. he dies and he decides to die, basically. Mm -hmm. And, but he's, but he was so radical. It's like going, it's like going a step further. He wanted to give the people weapons and, like, mm -hmm. you know, have them fight against the oppressors instead of, you know, um, arming them with knowledge. You know, mm -hmm. he wanted to arm them with actual physical arms. And mm -hmm. that's not the way that, that T'Challa was like, no, we're not going to do it that way. And I think that's, that makes sense why. Sterling K. Brown, the father uh, character, was like, I think he was even trying to tell him it, it when Killmonger goes into the um, ancestral plane. I thought that was kind of an interesting little scene. Emily, did you see anything different when you watched it the second time? Um, Killmonger's character, definitely. I, I feel like my thoughts of him haven't really changed. You said you said you feel you felt bad for him, and you were kind of on like seeing stuff from his side and kind of feeling bad for him. I don't think I ever truly felt bad for him because he, it just seemed like he was just trying to use Wakanda because, okay, let me try and formulate this. The first <laughs> time, the first time I saw the movie, I was kind of confused by Killmonger's character. I, I, I knew he was angry that his father got murdered and that's, that's fine right there. 
Um, but at first, at first I was like, why, why is he so obsessed with ruling Wakanda when he doesn't know anything about it? I was, but then seeing it the second time, I was like, he doesn't truly care about Wakanda. He just wants to take what he needs from Wakanda in order to help, mm-hmm. to basically help, um, others like him. So, so again, his, his purpose was for good, but again, you said he was very radical, which was true. I truly never felt like he, he was right because of how he was going about it, like yeah. using using this using this really great nation for just because this one thing could make powerful weapons that could then kill tons of other people. Um, so I thought that was interesting. It's def- he's definitely a very complex character, and watching it twice, it's definitely changed how I how I kind of view him from the first time watching it to the second time. That's, yeah, that's interesting. And did you want to read what you have found? Wasn't it on the um, the dialects, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, Beth McGuire was the dialect coach on the movie, uh, and she's from, she teaches dialects at Yale, so she worked with uh, Lupita Nyong'o at Yale, um, and she's written a book about, uh, African dialects, and that's kind of a big thing in a lot of movies. Is mm-hmm. that anytime there's any sort of African dialect used, uh, they're they're not accurate most of the time. Um, and so she was also then building a world in which you know what is a Wakandan accent going to be like. And so she kind of started off with uh, T'Challa's father because that actor himself, John Kenny, is from. Uh, South Africa, and so he has a Nasa accent, mm-hmm. um, and you heard a lot of Nasa spoken throughout the movie, actually, which I picked up on because I have a couple of friends uh, who have lived in South Africa <laughs> and speak Nasa, uh, which is a very difficult language. Um, but they were really worked back and forth of trying to find kind of a unique cadence for it, and the actors really kind of built their own. Um, dialect together yeah you know they would just speak certain phrases she had them pick out certain phrases to learn in nasa and then they all kind of would speak them back and forth to each other until Mm -hmm. they found a rhythm that all of them would use but then you also had several different dialects because there are these five different tribes within wakanda and so Mm -hmm. um they have a, a really different accent used for uh you know, the tribe that's hidden away in the mountains yeah, because they're really separate. And everything. Yeah, I can't remember. That guy's amazing, um, honestly. Yeah, yeah. He's, he <laughs> we definitely need to come back to M'Baku. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> so many know. things to say about M'Baku. <laughs> yeah, he was such a great character, and so they gave him an accent um, from a totally different area in Africa um, so that it would sound really different to uh, an English-speaking ear, since this mm, movie is for yeah. English speakers. Yes, yeah. Um, and so that I thought was really interesting, kind of just picking things based off of how it's going to sound to the moviegoers and how to kind of represent also different uh, locations as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, she's done just really amazing work, you know, and dialect coaches really aren't given a lot of time with the actors, so she would just be kind of on deck the whole time during yeah. filming and... As soon as they'd stop in between something, she'd correct something. Um, and they also did go back over the movie and, and correct things over the top of things when they could. Oh, like some ADR mm-hmm. and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Um, but they really did a lot of really specific work for that, which I thought was really great just to, you know, hear those different dialects all used so well. And, um, you know, there's a lot of work put into that to make it sound so beautiful. Yeah, they, they did a really great job. And I was reading some tweets like a post of uh, a bunch of Koreans who had watched the film and were praising Lupita Nyong'o's like actual um, amazing pronunciation of Korean. She did amazing. <laughs> and yeah. like, I, I don't know the difference, but so I was like reading and all of these like um, Korean people were actually like, yeah, she spoke amazing Korean. The lady who's like the fish lady did not Sophia. speak amazing. Yeah, like she was like, uh, that lady didn't speak very good Korean. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> like, and she was, yeah, and like, mm-hmm. she's an Asian person, but like, I mean, maybe she is an American actor or something. I don't know. But, like, they didn't... um, People were like, yeah, the lady, the fish lady wasn't even that great. Like, Lupita was amazing. (laughs) So hilarious. um, And it was like, one of them was like, I'm watching an American, like, an English-speaking film in Korea. I'm watching an African-American person speaking Korean in an English-speaking film in Korea. Like, it was, like, so crazy to them because that, like, never happened. So, yeah, um, that was, like... Really excellent. Um, and you, you, you know she does that, and you're like, you're so, she's such a badass. Yeah. 
Yeah, everyone was such a badass in this movie. But I want to go back to uh, Anne's comment about the, uh, what is it, the linguistic, the linguistics, uh, what's her name, like a professor? Was she a professor? She was a dialect coach, yeah. Dialect, dialect coach. The She's dialect a professor coach. at Yale. Mm-hmm. And she the took dialect... time off to do this movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, the dialect coach taking the time to make everything sound great because I, I want to touch on that comment because I thought this movie did such a great job with just sound in general. When oh, it yeah. Went, when it went from just music, soundtrack, to just the just the sounds that were coming from everywhere. Like, I, I just remember, like, the, especially the second time watching it, like, listening to, you know, the the general and her warriors, like, banging their, heard their staffs on the ground, their uh, spears on the ground, and, like, just how everything reverberated in the drums and also you know how much I love drums yeah and um, <laughs> and uh and just I don't know I, th- I thought this the sound was just on point in this movie just with everything I even in like the chase scene all the fight scenes I thought it was just and even all the ritual the ritual parts um yeah yeah they were just it was such a sound pleasing movie I thought which was yeah which was awesome because during the trailers, we we watched uh, the Jurassic World because I watched it in Dolby Digital, and um, so the sound was awesome watching it there, and um, and I just thought it was super funny because we were watching the trailers and we watched the Jurassic World trailer, and that trailer was so annoying. It's there a terrible just, trailer. It's a terrible trailer. It's just a bunch of yeah. loud noises and just people yelling. And I was like, this is terrible. Like, why would they put this trailer in the Dolby Digital Theater? Because it just sounded awful. And and so I thought that was funny just because, you know. You're, you're comparing, like, really good yeah. sound design to, like, really shitty sound design. Really <laughs> shitty sound design. Yeah. It was terrible. Yeah. It was so bad. But, yeah, I just wanted to touch on the sound because I loved, oh, my God, I loved I loved all the 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 sounds and the and the drums and the music oh my god I loved it all. yeah, yeah and the music, the, the music is amazing it was curated by Kendrick Lamar um, and we've got that amazing uh, song with Kendrick Lamar and Siza and then another one with um, the Weekend as well that played when they were in Korea like but it oh, like in the club late yeah in the club like oh, yeah. I I was listening to it and I was like this is the Weekend like I know it's the Weekend. And, like, all of the, the kind of, like, trap beats are playing throughout the whole film, and it really, like, tied it all together. But, like, in, like, not too, it wasn't too obvious. It just kind of, like, underlied everything and made the, the beats move throughout the film and, like, transition well, you know, especially Definitely. when they were flying and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that yeah, was pretty I, I, liked, I liked how they used the music, because I love the song that was playing during the, the car chase scene. I liked how they kind huh. of just used the music to kind of amp up the fight scene, even though it wasn't this, like, grandiose display of fire and, you know, things exploding and people dying. So like, But it was certainly a really excellent, um, like, chase scene. Like, definitely yes. really enjoyable. And the women in the scene were just so incredible and just so badass. Like, they were... Um, Who's the characters? It was um, Okoye and yeah. Nakia, right? And in the yeah. actual car. And then Shuri was, like, back at home. Um, but I did like that Shuri, like, was not in the fray, you know? Like, she's a she's a teenager, so, like, she doesn't need to be actually fighting, but, like, was safe. But her talents in... could still be utilized. Yeah, exactly. That was really yeah. unique, for sure. Yeah. And they were, like, shooting at the car, and they're like, there's no one in that car. What the hell? <laughs> You know, well, and, yeah, and especially when Claw was like, "It's vibranium, like stop shooting at it. Yeah. It's not going to do anything." And then Okoye is like, "It's like guns, so so like barbaric or something." I can't remember what. They yeah, said. they're just like you know sitting comfortably in the car, like they're getting shot at, and they're just like, mm, <laughs> "Stupid men." I know. And there were a lot of really great shots in the movie of just them being, I don't know, not bored, but just having that. Oh. They just don't understand. No. And it was always the women in the film. Yeah. And I just loved that so much. Yeah. They're just like, ugh, stupid colonizers, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, really that kind of that kind of mindset reminded me of, I, I kept thinking of, like, the Vulcans during this. Because, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. because um, in Star Trek Enterprise, the Vulcans have to kind of decide when the humans, the Earth humans, are ready to get advanced technology. And so I mm-hmm. thought, mm-hmm. I yeah. thought this the story seemed almost like Star Trek also. Oh, of. it was very sci-fi. I mean, mm-hmm. definitely. You know, because they're just, 
they're a race of people that are just so much more technologically advanced. So it seems like they're from another planet, basically. And I think in the comics, they are really like, sometimes they're from like a different planet because, well, what fell from the sky in the beginning, it was like, that's Mm -hmm. the vibranium and everything made them. And uh, the like goddess, the panther god, Mm -hmm. uh, like is what makes T'Challa the the Black Panther. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that could also be from it, like... Some a different planet. I think it was like kind of implied. Yeah, it definitely has that that feeling of kind of legend, definitely other, other something worldly. older. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, he burned Killmonger burned all of the um, flowers, and and so is that. Does that mean that T'Challa is the last Black Panther? I mean, yeah. What happens next? I don't. I, don't know. I mean, that's I why mean, they're making the, another movie, right? Can't the vibra- I mean, the vibranium like invented the like you know grew the flower why can't it just grow back i don't i I don't really know how that works (laughs) i felt like it could just grow back since it kind of popped up because the vibranium showed up but i don't know who knows yeah i don't know we we don't have uh zuri anymore which was sad that forrest whitaker like chose to basically sacrifice himself um (laughs) that's true i know i was like dude you know how this is gonna end what are you doing (laughs) i hope it's not the last of the um of the flower because I was kind of bouncing this idea off of my coworkers at work, but I kind of want like a like a you know a heightened heightened human like a fighting squad. Like I want I want Umbaku to get to get some of the flowers so he can be like the gorilla and like yeah <laughs> and be amazing and then have um you know if if Wakobi decides to be you know not an asshole. Uh, Wakabi, um, yeah. maybe maybe he could be the rhino. I kind of I like that idea to like just have it be like a super clan, like I yeah, of all these African animals and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> the rhinos were so cool. I yeah. love that moment when the rhino stops in front of her because the rhino knows her. Yeah, she was mm. like, "I'm not gonna kill Okoye." That's a I, I did love like that Okoye and yeah Wakabi were a couple, and mm-hmm. that one of them chose wrong. But I also think that like they'll probably punish him and then it's okay you know but i don't know mm-hmm. like a lot of people died in that in the fray in the end i don't know how they're gonna deal with that whole situation um it's oh, he definitely like, should not be uh i i think he fucked up like yeah he, def- he did like he seriously just because t'challa couldn't bring back claw you're gonna you're gonna go against your entire people like i'm sorry that's not i really saw that story arc happening from the beginning with that character mm. though he does such a great job of just the the looks he gives yeah the, the way he delivers his lines there's this underlying presence he has even though he's such a so like subdued character you know he's mm-hmm. kind of quiet in some scenes you really you know i saw that coming i was like, oh no what's gonna happen we're like oscar nominated daniel kalua knows how to be subtle <laughs> no <way. laughs> oh my god <laughs> Yeah, um, definitely, like, it was really great seeing all these people who are just so critically acclaimed in this film. I mean, we've got Oscar winner, um, you know, uh, Lupita Nyong'o in there, and we have Oscar-nominated Danny Kaluuya, Emmy winner, Golden Globe winner Sterling K. Brown, like, it was, like, a great cast of people. And then Angela Bassett, who's just, Mm -hmm. like, amazing in her own right, so definitely, like, just, like, a super clan of amazing african-american actors <laughs> definitely definitely yeah. such a great a great great cast mm-hmm. and they really like melded really well and uh all the women like the super strong women i mean i guess we could talk about them now because gosh they're just so rad it's like all of the women have so much um strength in their own right and they just they choose to be um like to to protect their king and protect their their place, but also like um, can invent things and you know like Shuri's just such a genius and she's a princess and like she doesn't need to but she is you know mm-hmm. and like all of the women are like choosing to do this and even when Okoye is like being super strong and sticking with her country, I thought that was like a really amazing moment that she didn't just automatically turn to you know this is the way royalty works and. She even, like, you know, it's not, she's, not that she supports Killmonger, but, like, you know, she definitely... She supports the, she has the transfer of power, to the throne. you know? Yeah. yeah, definitely. And it was, like, a... It was a, the... Their fight to the death was, like, legit. So, you know, it's not like she's, like, we can't really do anything because this is the way Wakanda works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 
I'm sure it's happened before in their past. Like, I can't imagine this is the first time that this has happened to, I mean, they're thousands of years old, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that's why it's implied. Like, there's been hundreds and hundreds of kings before this. You know, this has probably happened before where somebody took power and it was just Mm -hmm. like, it seemed like this is the right time where they uh, are going to need to change and everything's going to be different. And um, it's exciting to see see what's going to happen. Yeah, and I think that the other great thing about these women, too, is that, like what you were saying with Shuri, so often I think female characters are written and they're only given their identity. So, you know, Shuri would be the princess, mm-hmm. and then, you know, there's the romantic interest, and yeah. Nakia, and, but then these women have their own personalities, their own goals, their own drives. You know, Nakia is, like, such a driven character, and mm-hmm. she has this, like, hope and goal for the world, and, you know, and that's what causes the tension in their romance, is yeah. her own needs and desires, and that's amazing. They're just so well-rounded, and you understand what's driving them, and mm-hmm. they're all so unique. And it's not just their identity that's describing them to us. Yeah, and and their romance is not just because it's a king and a, and a woman. You know, it's like this is a, you know, he respects who she is and she respects who he is and it might not work out for them. But in the end, it, it does because it's they respect each other and they can make it work together. And I, I really like that, like, mm-hmm. they end up together at least now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they were so cute. <laughs> well, and you think, too, about what we were talking about earlier, if it hadn't been for Michael B. Jordan's character, mm-hmm. would T'Challa have made the same choice? But him yeah. also making the choice to share Wakanda with the world is part of what she wanted yeah. at the beginning, too. Yeah. But it wasn't, you know, what she wanted that drove him to that choice. It was this whole experience and I think that's a really unique thing that, you know, what if that experience had happened differently? Mm-hmm. Would they have ended up together? But, you know, the circumstances worked out. Yeah. So, pretty great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, on IMDb, this movie has a 88 Metascore. Ooh. So, that's pretty good. Um, pretty good. That's very good. Yeah. It's, it's really good. Um, I'll read one of the... 90s, uh, or the 100 from USA Today, says, While the themes are deep, Black Panther at the same time a visual joy to behold, with confident quirkiness, those aforementioned war rhinos, insane (laughs) action sequences and special effects, and the glorious reveal of Wakanda, whose culture is steeped in African influences, but which also offers a jaw-dropping look at what a city of the future could be. Pretty awesome. I really hope in the future that we get to see more of Wakanda, because we really didn't see what it was like to be on the ground super often other than just like that main street and then just the trains going by. So mm-hmm. I would really like to see more of the people and like they Yeah, know. they did a lot of world building, you can tell, you know, those set designers must have had the time of their life. Yeah, I mean they combined in the end. We're like watching the Kia and um T'Challa like walk on the street and I just loved how it was a combination of, you know, uh Western things like backpacks and like their own uh, African culture so it's just like a, you know what I mean like a, a really big mix of like 2017 now and and incorporating it into their own like they're not just like so separate from the world that they have completely different things you yeah. know like it seemed like it was people did have some some real world today stuff you know mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that was really cool. it's really interesting I feel like this would be a really good segue into M'Baku's character because I feel like the second time I watched it I kind of I feel like I got to know M'Baku a bit more. So with what you said about in the Main Street area where they have both, like, you know, what looked like handmade baskets as well as backpacks. Yeah. It's really interesting how through the entire movie, they're, it's like Wakanda not only being technologically advanced, but also seems like it's on the cusp of, like, a major change. And so it's just like and then going back to Mbaku who their tribe up in the mountains is still very traditional and I and I didn't catch this the first time but when mm-hmm. Mbaku comes to the ritual fight to try to become king he says that the technology has pulled Wakanda away from its traditions mm. and so I thought that was extremely interesting to hear the second time because if you think about it Mbaku and the other uh, what were they the they don't have vibranium I think that's the idea um, the, the Jacobi is that what they're called um, yeah they they don't have access to the vibranium so they're they're still yeah in kind of an old school kind of yeah tribal yeah. and so I thought it was interesting how they kind of brought in 
two different outsiders because I felt Umbaku and the rest of the Jacobi were kind of outsiders also, but then yeah. they also brought in like a, a complete, I mean, not even an outsider because Michael B. Jordan was still Wakandan, but he was still definitely treated like an outsider. But it's just interesting how you kind of see all these different internal and external problems that come with Wakanda because once once Wakanda stops thinking about themselves as just being this just technology advanced technologically advanced culture and kind of being better than everyone but kind of being more accepting to other people also like uh because what was it when they went to go see umbaku to give him the power to become the next black panther so that they could overthrow killmonger he says like this is the first time any royalty has ever come to visit me like what the hell (laughs) yeah so it's just Crazy. super interesting. And that's mm-hmm. why I really, really liked Umbaku, like, yeah. so much. Because, <laughs> he was like, great. Because, like, he showed, like, the really traditional uh, tribe. And then it was just interesting seeing... It was interesting seeing them all. Like, it was just... Uh, it was so it was so interesting. I well, have... he's also just a really likable character in that he is kind of funny and also, like, really attractive, you know? So you're just like, well, he's funny because he makes a joke about eating people. And we're like, no, we're vegetarians. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, that's such a, a silly thing to say. But, like, it worked so well in that in that scene because you're like, really this did. guy's really serious. Like, he tried to get the throne earlier. Like, what kind of person is he? And then it turns out, you know, he he does want to support his fellow Wakandans. It, it takes a while, but <laughs> um, definitely Yeah, but it's awesome. cool because he makes a step to mm-hmm. not be isolated. Yeah. And then, you know, that goes even further within Wakanda then, you know, it, it's almost like a little bit of foreshadowing as far as, you know, what are these people going to decide to do and they're going to start helping each other and then being able to help the world. Yeah, definitely. I really loved the production design up uh, in Mbaku's, like, throne that was, like, the wood yeah, pieces Yeah, with all the hanging, wood. Oh, man, like, I love that. In, like, lines. Yeah. Gorgeous. Like, mm-hmm. modern-looking, amazing, like... It, it just it, it looked like so something well. that could be in a in like an art museum. Like Definitely, a, yeah. So and I've beautiful. probably seen things like that in art museums. So <laughs> it's not like it was a new idea of like, oh, let's hang branches all in the same direction from the you know. But it just worked so well with the with the visuals and the cinematography. It just like narrowed it down even more towards him in in a more like um, earthy way, like with trees. It like mm-hmm. it was just great. I loved it. Um, really fun. Yeah, even though I'm, so. even though I'm glad Umbaku turned out to just be, um, you know, willing to help Wakanda and help defeat Killmonger, I kind of was thinking, like, I, I had so many thoughts while I was watching the movie the second time. I also feel like watching movies at nine thirty in the morning is like the best time to watch movies because you're I'm, like, like the most open and awake. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm super open and awake, and I just have. And when you go to the movies by yourself, you're just like have all this time to think. Like I was, <laughs> I was just sitting there thinking the whole time. But I was thinking, I was. I was thinking what it would have been like if maybe Umbaku ended up being the villain, just because he kind of seemed like he had just as much motive to kind of be angry with Wakanda just as much as Killmonger does. Yeah, definitely. They've kind of ousted them. You know, he he thinks that that Wakanda and using the uh, vibranium for technological advances is kind of goes against goes against the way Wakanda is. Also, like he, so I thought that would that would have been would have been interesting. I'm so glad that yeah we had. Him possibly being the bad guy in the beginning didn't end up that being the case. Then it was Claw, who was the bad guy until Killmonger killed him, True. which, I mean, we kind of saw coming, but it was also like, oh my god, like... Yeah, it really did take a big turn, because you thought Andy Serkis' character was going to kind of be more present throughout the... I mean, that wasn't even halfway into the film. Uh, yeah, I did I, think that. I did think that Claw would be would be in there longer. Yeah, and uh, Andy Serkis was great. Like... He was so, so awesome. Oh my god, I really liked him more in this movie than I think he was in Civil War as well. Um, but yeah, he was like, he was, was it Civil War or was it in, no, it was, it was Ultron? War. Was it Age of Ultron? It was Ultron, it was Ultron. Yeah, he was in Age of Ultron. He was, you know, I really liked how much insanity he really brought to this guy. Like, he, he just was crazy. And even when mm-hmm. he was being, like, interrogated, he was, like, making jokes and stuff. Like, his and entire... Like, he was, like, insane, you know? And mm-hmm. he really, like, played it really well. And, and you're just like, this guy's nuts. Like, he doesn't even understand his own reality, really. Like, it's just kind of going over his head until he dies, you know? Yeah, but it was it was such a, a character. You know, you really believed whatever was going on inside his head was real for him. 
Yeah. It's really quite impressive. It was. It's it was also great. weird to see Andy Serkis's face in a real movie. I get yeah. it. Not the, uh, you know, CGI or whatever. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. He has a face. <laughs> he's a person. Yeah, he's a good actor. Oh, um, yeah. Phenomenal actor. Yeah. And I mean, then there's the other white guy, Agent Ross, who played by Martin Freeman. I did realize that Martin Freeman is playing an American and Benedict Cumberbatch is also playing an American in this Marvel universe. Oh, there funny. you go. Yeah. I was like, what? Why? <laughs> the Brits have moved over. I know. Yeah. They do great American accents. Yeah, I mean, they, they I really do. Martin Freeman was just so such a perfect pick for that character because yeah. he really, you know, does such a good job of being like, yep, uh, I'll put my hands up. You guys do what you're going to do because you know what you're doing and I do not. Yeah. Go. Uh, tell me what you, you do, Shuri. Just just yeah. tell me what to do. Like, <laughs> exactly. I'll, I'll do anything. I'm here to support. That's yeah. all. <laughs> um, and he was, like, a really, like, you know, straightforward person. And he really seemed like a CIA agent and somebody who would be very cool and calm and collected under all sorts of pressure. You know, just like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, taking, you know, coming from the American government um, and being, like, somebody who's responsible for that, but also, like, the first white person in Wakanda. I mean, like, it was crazy. Not and, the first. Yeah, he's so supportive. Not the first. Not, <laughs> oh, yeah, not the first. Oh, right. Claw, Claw was there. That's right. Yeah, the third. blew it up. The third. <laughs> well, who's the second or the first? We're going to talk about that. It's it's the end credits scene, man. <gasps> oh, do you think that's in Wakanda? I don't yes. think it's in Wakanda. It's in Wakanda. You talking about, uh... Bucky? Bucky, yeah, yeah. Is isn't it at the end of at, at the end of Civil War or something? They take like Bucky gets messed up, and don't they take him to Wakanda to get fixed? Oh shit, maybe or something. I remember yeah, something that happening. Someone was getting on a ship and was heading back to, and was going to be taken to Wakanda, and I think it was Bucky. I don't quite remember, but I think it was. I'm very excited about Bucky. <laughs> um, way too excited. Oh, way too man. excited. He's so great. I love Sebastian Stan. Oh, Sebi. I was going to say he got snubbed for Itania. You wouldn't let me tell you, but uh, <laughs> I, forgot. I forgot. I oh, forgot to say. Yeah. Oh, dang it. I'm throwing yeah, it in was, there again. <laughs> he was definitely snubbed. Hey, the Oscars are tomorrow, so we can still throw it in. Yeah. Just just tossing it in there. Um, there you go. Snub. Yeah, throwing it on, the, on my hat under the door before it closes. <laughs> Stop it, Alsara. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay. Well, uh, any see. last words? We want to r- say anything about just like how the film made us feel if we want to go see it again, Anna? <laughs> or... Oh, I definitely want to see it again. I mean, I think it was just, I think it was one of, one of those movies that really just felt like a full, give me that, that feeling when I watch like Lord of the Rings or like a fantasy film like that, that's just like so epic. And there's this world out there that really just captures your mind in this beautiful way. And it's so uplifting and moving and you know i think invigorating and makes you just want to like go make the world a better place yeah um even though it's it's so fictional in a lot of ways it just rings so true to humanity and i think i just love that so much and i i want to see this movie more than once more Mm -hmm. i want to see it definitely a couple more times well apparently disney donated a million dollars to the boys and girls club of america to build stem centers for kids across United States uh, to learn science. That's awesome. Yeah, it's incredible. Like, art is reality, you mm-hmm. know? And, like, Disney's like, yeah, we're going to do this not just for the PR, but uh, kids do need to learn science. Yeah. <laughs> so that was cool. Yeah, creating access and opportunity, that's such a big part of this movie, so it's good that they're, they're yeah. implementing that into real life. Yeah, it's a really great, well-done, well-made film, so... Yeah, maybe we'll see it next year, getting some more recognition, and and definitely gets a good start for the year. Definitely, um, really scared for for uh, Infinity War. <laughs> oh my god, I don't know. Someone, how that's someone's go. someone's gonna die, right? Someone's gotta die. Right? Oh yeah, it's someone, someone important. Who could be any of them, really? <laughs> Except for probably Bucky. He's going to live. <laughs> probably. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Which, oh. which means which means Cap's got to die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's our <laughs> prediction. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we will be watching the Oscars tomorrow and then Jessica Jones next week. So that's going to be fun. <laughs> I know I need to I need to finish binging uh, season one. 
Yeah. Started and, that this morning. Uh, um, you can go listen to our other Marvel um, recap of all the previous Marvel shows, since since I'm talking about it now. The ones on Netflix, uh, which is like Daredevil and all of the um, the Defenders. So Emily and I had a pretty good overall uh, talk about that. We didn't include the, the Punisher yet, so in the future that will be part of the, the new generation, obviously. Um, oh, yeah, we should do it after. Let's see. So Jessica Jones season two, Punisher, and then maybe we can throw in. We have Daredevil season three Daredevil as well. Season three, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We talk about it all. We talk about what the first two seasons of Daredevil, um, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and the garbage Iron that was Iron, <laughs> Iron Fist. <laughs> the garbage that was Iron Fist. <laughs> Um, yeah, so you can find us on Facebook if you just search All by the Popcorn. You can also, we have a, uh, our podcast on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts and then on tons of other podcasts, um, apps, apps and things and out there. And stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, you can email us at allbythepopcornpodcast at gmail.com or allbythepopcorn at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at bythepopcorn. And I have yet to make an Instagram yet, but I think I'm going to. <laughs> I will, I will try and uh, be live tweeting during the uh, during the Oscars. We will oh, see. Yes. We will see if that happens. I'm um, so excited for that. It should. It should happen. Yeah. I need to get some champagne. Oh shit! I need to get champagne. Oh shit! We already have champagne. We're ready. Oh, we're ready. oh dang! We're prepared. <laughs> oh dang! You guys are so much more prepared than I am. Okay, uh, dang. All right. Grocery store well, run. Yes. <laughs> um, Thanks for All listening. Right. Thanks for joining will, us, Anne. Thank we will you for talk to you guys. Me. Oh yeah! Thanks again for for being on here, Anne. Is this the first time you've been on here? No. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid. I've been listening for a while. Good. <laughs> well, thanks, Anne. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. We'll talk to you guys after the Oscars. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.